0: That was so sad sounding. That's that song? What do you, you don't know that song? I, 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 when I was, when I began singing it, I was like, oh, that's that song. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's, that's, what happened to her, Lizzo? She's around. I feel like Isn't she kind of wore
0: out her welcome.
1: No, she, uh, she got, she got canceled. She – oh, yes. I she
0: forgot for she sex, brought her right? welcome because she forced her dancer to eat a banana out of a uh, stripper's vagina in Europe and then berated her. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that
1: story. Well, Well, also, I think she pretty much – it was like – it was like that and then it was just everyone who'd ever worked with her was like so excited to just talk about how they thought she was an asshole so it was like the floodgates were open and everyone was just like you know we're collectively kind of annoyed with her so let's just like move her along for a little bit
0: well the thing with the banana is I gotta say I looked into that a little bit not the old banana in the tailpipe well it was not it's more like the four pipe uh Mm And well, I, I don't know what it could have been a banana out of the asshole. I actually, I don't can't know. believe you
1: know neither of you get mad. I know Murphy what the banana them.
0: in the tailpipe is. It's a classic prank where you prevent the officer's car from chasing you and your hoodlum friends by having one of your bum buddies put a banana in his tailpipe.
1: Yeah, or one of your buddy cops. Or oh, one of your buddy cops. Yeah,
0: but <sighs> what I'm saying with Lizzo is she did take her dancer she was bullying to the b- eat the banana out of the vagina place, and so it's like. Kind of buy the ticket, take the ride. You
1: know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I think they felt forced to do it because they were employed by her.
0: I agree with that. I, yeah. I'm not saying it's... Listen, I'm not saying that, that everyone's free of sin here. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying Lizzo didn't, like, take her down to, like, the buffet at the restaurant they were eating at. It was like, Stop. waitress, put a banana in there. And then, like, you, eat it. <laughs> uh, but I do think that's what people are kind of imagine. I, <laughs> I do think that's... A, and, and listen, I, I, that's happened to me. You know? Well, it was it was... It was like Italian wedding soup. And it was one of the worst experiences of last tour. And it's the reason that we no longer have a fourth member of the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, unpeel those bananas and unscrew the lid of Grandma's Italian wedding soup with the meatballs in it. My name is Brace Belden and I am 100%
1: Irish. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to be like
0: Lizzo's and Lizzo's. Not going to say, you've gotten mad at me for calling you Lizzo. Not on the me, show the
1: people. Oh. Apparently, I was just looking up what happened to her, and she was at the Super Bowl. Hello, everyone. I'm Liz. We are, of course, joined by producer Yamchonsky. This is True Anon. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Hello. I just wanted to get through it because yeah. I wanted to really click on Lizzo's, according to People Magazine, edgy Super Bowl outfit with fishnet stockings and a fiery red mullet. Oh, my God. Also, I don't the thing
0: is edgy. I, well, I don't know about maybe, that. Maybe. I mean, this is a full SS uniform she's wearing here. <laughs> this is absurd. She's not even wearing like the, the 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 woman's auxiliary kind of stuff. This is just full head to toe. She looks like Goebbels.
1: Oh my god. Um, I
0: appreciate her going to that.
1: I mean, I guess she's back. I don't really know. I don't really know. Well, it's never really. She should b- keep hanging out with Jeff Bezos. Remember that. I do.
0: There was, Well, it was – no, it was – who's that picture? Lil Nas X, Katy Perry, Jeff Bezos. And I feel like there's someone else weird in it too. I look at it sometimes when I'm like I'm too happy. Mm. You ever have things like that when you're like too happy, you have to look at something to bring you down? Like, no. What? You know, you know like you're having a good day and you're like this is – I need to, like, watch... This is fake, what you're saying. ...shoah or something to, like, bring me... It's, like, to restore the balance. It doesn't make you have a bad day, but it just brings you down from having too good of a day. Mm. I think that's healthy. It's a yin and yang kind of thing that I'm into. do.
1: I want to bring something to your attention before we get into the episode, Brace. What is it? I have it? some news, some personal news. It's sort of personal news, but it's not actually personal. But the personal is political, <laughs> and this so, is political news that is personal to me. So... Do you remember two years ago? I don't like
0: where this is going.
1: I sent both of (laughs) y'all in the old little group text a grievance of mine, (laughs) of which there are many, but this was a specific one, where I was in gay Paris, Mm -hmm. and I was like, there is—I'm noticing a really big issue, which is that everywhere in Paris— This was two years ago, people, so this has now hit stateside, so don't come at me like, that's already here. This was two years ago, okay? There is a pox on our cities. A cancer is spreading of fake flowers that are taking over businesses in order to attract TikTokian posters. I think it's beyond that now, but yeah. Right, but I'm saying this was two years ago in Paris. I sent you guys a whole thing with photographic evidence and a screed. Yeah. Of which I am quite capable of screeding. Mm-hmm. The people of Paris still have the revolutionary spirit within them because they have voted to regulate the flower installation. No. Yes. In small businesses, they are not banning them, but they are not allowing every business to just willy-nilly, like, go on down to Michael's or the fuck they're going and getting all these silk flowers and, like, you know— tacking them up on the, the old bricks. It
0: is ridiculous how many fucking restaurants, if you walk in Williamsburg or you walk in Manhattan, every fucking restaurant that has, like, a kind of, like, indoorish outdoor, you know, like, a front area is just covered
1: yeah, it's disgusting. in fake flowers. It's disgusting. It's,
0: but it's beyond the like No one's even filming the TikTok there anymore because of that because they all have them. What's the point?
1: Yeah, and so uh, here's another, like, disgusting, wasteful Pig society moment because all that shit is just going to end up in the ocean. Oh, by yeah, the way, yeah. as tiktokian consumer choices change, but that being said, I want to applaud the good par- people of Paris mm-hmm. for because they were not only the first to also vote with like the highest voter turnout ever in the history of Paris to vote to ban scooters, like the good people that they are. Yes, of which every American city should follow. I agree. But also to move to, to 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 finally put a stop to this cancer on their streets.
0: I really do appreciate it. I will probably never go to Paris because I'm afraid of the great replacement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I Well the
1: Olympics are over after
0: yeah, well, and I can't go – I'm banned from the Olympics anyway. It's for doping. But I, I don't – It's so psycho. The Olympics are in I, crazy. I, I do it's not. Crazy. There's so many There's so many things related to that. Let me bitch to you about something real quick. Mm. I don't know when this started, but when whenever people are describing something that they find aesthetically pleasing as just aesthetic, mm. it drives me fucking ba- – How long have they been doing that? It's been a, a while, but it's bad.
1: It's like shorthand Tumblr moron brain. It's insane to me. I don't yeah. know. I, I can I
0: can bear a lot, right? I would say in fact I bear most of the weight of the world on my shoulders. Mm. But this is like the one thing that like every time I see it, I'm like, what are you talking about?
1: You can't like it's just not that's it's, it's I, and it makes me sound like I guess I'm a hundred years old, but I hate it.
0: Yeah.
1: People gotta read a book. We know we haven't done this in a while, actually. L- I want to ha- let's air some grievances. We have an episode today, but I, you know, it's been a minute since we.
0: I got some grievances to air within that episode I as know, well. I know, me too.
1: But yeah, no, I
0: got some shit I want to complain about. <sighs> Wait, now that I said that, I can't think of any. I can't think of any either. But le- let me—I <laughs> really can't. Maybe. What if we're losing our hater status? I think this we might just be turning a new leaf. I feel like as the mm. world gets more hateful and more angry that we as on get more loving mm, I like and that. kinder. So if there's one message that this podcast has always been about, it is just showing kindness to every human being out there. Liz, when you were younger, not that that's possible, did you have any friends or just acquaintances who went to Ireland or England for an extended period of time and returned with an accent that they did not leave with?
1: Are you fucking talking about me? Did you do that? You didn't. You know that? I didn't know that you. Yes, went I lived there. in London when I was a kid. I and know. I came, but I was like little. I, this isn't fake. I I know what you're talking about, and I definitely actually know a real person that 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 did that very famously actually, mm-hmm. when she was like 19, and everyone's like, "You don't change an accent when you're 19." <gasps> but I was five, and so I when I came back to the states and went to school, I got bullied. For talking funny, which persists to this day, you do by talk the way, for, it's not
0: you don't talk in a British First accent. First all,
1: me talk funny sometimes. That's true. But also, I you know to all the bullies out there, I talk how I talk. I've always talked how I talk, and this is how I talk. So, shut the fuck up. And that's from Liz's extended stay in England. She talks <laughs> in this classic
0: British accent that we all know and love. I
1: did get bullied, though. I, the, I like, the kids, and I went to all-girls school, which is also crazy. Me, too. But the, ki- the kids were like, say banana. And I'd be like, banana. And they'd be like, say it
0: again. Wait, say it in a non-jokey voice. Say that
1: like that in a non-jokey voice. When you, like, banana. 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 I know. Do they say it like And banana? I'd be like, Mum, can I have a tango? Like, I totally, like... I know. And I like kind of went British. Like I broke British because I went home from school one day and complained to my mom that all the kids got to eat candy all day and I didn't. And she was like, yeah, that's why they look like that. Like you can't (laughs) just eat fucking Cadbury bars at school. Oh, because British people do that. Yeah. Little
0: British people love uh, their their sweets. We chocolate. Yeah. Like they're they're big guy actually Willy Wonka is American now that I'm thinking of it. It just looks kind of like He's British coded. Yeah, because yeah. it kind of Especially the whole, the whole thing.
1: Chalamet and, excursion. And
0: just like the whole having a little poor boy go over there that feels like you know, uh, I feel like Gene uh, Wilder
1: not British coded, but the Chalamet version definitely British coded.
0: It is a crazy thing that they made a Wonka backstory movie. But yeah. Dark Wonka. What I'm getting to with the Irish-British thing, because I feel like those are the two main ones. Like, nobody goes to, like, West Africa for six months and, like, returns to the West African accent or, like, mm. goes to France and returns, I like... I could see Prince Harry doing that. I, I, I could also <laughs> see that. But, like, no, but you know what I mean? Like, no one goes, like, s- I, I spend six months living in France and, like, I, I can't do a, a French-speaking in speaking English accent, mm. but you, you can imagine mm-hmm. it. It's really only Irish or British. And I have known quite a few people that did this. What I'm asking with today's episode is, Liz, maybe that that should be legal. Switching your accent? Switching your accent. In fact, switching your race. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about one of the greatest inventions of all time that is now basically worthless. <laughs> 23 and There's so many me.
1: things that we could <laughs> that we could name. So
0: many, there will be other things named in this episode that are basically worthless mm-hmm. that were at one time heralded as wonderful inventions. Now, I want to ask here has anyone in this room ever got
1: a 23 me test done? No. Fuck no. What would you guess if you could? Uh, that I can ha- eat cilantro just fine. <laughs> um, Ashkenazi Jewish. Oh, you meant that stuff? Yeah. Uh, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Raceless,
0: Liz. Uh, I think that I would be some type of brother. I don't really know, like whatever that would mean. But I feel like I would be. You know what? I, you know what I'm saying? Not really. No. You know, but I'd I just want be like, you to I'd be keep going with this. Be, I, 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 I don't. I, that's like the vision isn't like completely clear in my mind. But that word looms large, like the mm. Hollywood sign. So. I have never done a 23andMe test because I figured that giving my genetic information to a Silicon Valley company was probably, even without looking into it when it came out, I was like, I don't think I feel
1: comfortable doing mm. that. Have you ever taken a like, internet medical test? No. How, how would you even do that? Like, you can get, like, by, like, they have all those, like, direct-to-consumer, like, health tests. Have you ever taken one of those? No. There's, like, a really... The one that's like very expensive and very famous, the Dutch test, but that's like more serious than the ones that are like we test to see if you're allergic to wheat, or we test to see if you have. Oh, I just have like the
0: Jew shit wrong with me. Like I like I that dairy hurts my tummy, uh, and I'm annoying, Mm. but
1: I can't like no. I mean, I think 23andMe would tell you that, not the other
0: ones. I don't need 23andMe to tell me that. I got a mirror and I can see myself in profile. My tongue can touch the tip of my nose without even really leaving my mouth. Is that true? I mean it does leave my mouth. Wait,
1: can wait, do it again? Nice.
0: I uh, listen. I look like a dare sturmer drawing. You don't need to. You don't, don't need to say look. do that. I have, however, been looking at the twenty three andme Me subreddit. You kind of got me on this. Yeah, I was saying night. that last night. Well, I've just been searching. <laughs> well, su-
1: the twenty three and Me stock subreddit. I've
0: been looking at the twenty three andme Me subreddit and searching for the words surprised Irish and Indian. <laughs> uh, and let me tell you, there are so many people out there. That thought that they were 100% Irish and turn out to be perhaps not Irish at all, mm. which feels very Irish to me.
1: Like that seems yes. very part of the Irish experience. I,
0: I I I think that specific part of brand of ignorance is per, you are Irish American. Mm. Like you you are almost more Irish American than than any of our, the classic ones like the Boondock Saints or Goodwill Hunting. Uh, the there is also a number of people who. In Like, so many that it goes beyond cliche to, like, genuinely concerning, who really did think that they were, like, uh, the the grandson of a Portuguese, or not Portuguese, excuse me, (laughs) a Cherokee princess. I mean, a Portuguese princess would be kind of of fire. Uh, (laughs) But there would be, there was a lot of people who thought that they were, like, sometimes a good deal native, despite having Mm. uh, no... I say identifiable Native ancestors.
1: Now, to our listeners, if you think that we have been doing this podcast for too long, that we've gotten too smart, we've gotten too good, we've gotten too professional to make jokes about Elizabeth Warren thinking that she's Native American, you are wrong. You are wrong. There that, will be lots of jokes about that in this episode.
0: That is not only that, but behind the scenes— Throughout the tenure of this program, I have been keeping a close eye on race faker scandals, and obviously, my dream—we should just do the episode, the race faker roundtable. I've told you about the race faker roundtable. We, we should get Friedland on for it. I want no. I want someone from every race.
1: No, that's too. That's Dave Chappelle, like the, the race draft. That
0: I know. I would. We have to figure out a way to make it not the race draft. Maybe yeah. like you're not allowed to claim people. Well, I guess that's yeah. I don't know. But I just I picture that being uh, I I but yeah you're right you're probably right a little too Dave Chappelle, um but yeah I'm like I, the race the race faker episode will come. we should get Taleb on to do it that's what I'm saying we should get some of the, we should get real race scientists
1: on mm, interesting but that gets us into some weird, weird territory too so yeah,
0: yeah and now that I was about to say maybe amateur race scientists but that's actually probably even worse. Maybe it's – maybe this needs to go back maybe to – Maybe just but Yeah, I guess that's, that's an amateur race scientist right there, <laughs> an amateur race. Um, but uh, the, there has been a number of scandals in Canada that are sort of Warrenian-type scandals, including one of two <laughs> women who appeared to be Indian from India who were claiming that they were Indian-American, which I thought was very clever on their part.
1: Wait, you mean – Indian like first nations first nations first
0: Nations but they were like we're Indian
1: well it's a I guess it was a homonym for them
0: yeah I mean it's it is I can I can see the logic that they were using thinking that they would get away with it and mm. pretty smart that they did did they all work
1: in academia no
0: uh, okay. <laughs> no but but I will say the vast majority of these have occurred within the bounds of academia.
1: Yeah, academia and media, I would say, Ac- yeah, almost well, exclusively. Well, and like the professional activist class. I, I mean, guess. but then you also have
0: to consider like there's probably a lot of amateur race fakers out there who just haven't risen to the right, ro- like. Like uh Well, the ones that have gotten away with it. Yeah, true. But like Dolazol, for example. Dolazole only really got caught because she was rocking too hard, right? She was in the NAACP. she was like well, leading. And she was her too chapter. early. She was also too early. But That was, was
1: like one thing is like it's real tough as an early adopter, believe me, I know my cross to bear. Um that when you come to something too too soon, the people aren't ready for it. No. They're not ready for it. No, they're really not. And and
0: with, with Dolazol. I have mixed feelings about her because I find her to be a pitiable figure. Mm. Did you uh, watch the movie? I did. The movie made me really sad for her kids. It made me really mm. sad. And then the OnlyFans, remember that? Yeah, I felt much better about her when she was just doing cameos. Yeah, I didn't make you feel good either. But I there there's I have like a soft spot for Dolezal that mm-hmm. I don't have for some of these other people because she's – in the grand scheme of things, really amateurish, right? Like, she's not a professional. I mean, yeah. A professional she was a, race faker? Yeah, she, like, she wasn't like somebody who's like using a fake race to like get tenured professorship or something like that. You know what I mean? She was like... Granted, she was in the Spokane and right, So, yes, but like it's still relatively low. low. I can't right. imagine that
1: paid. She wasn't rent. running for senator.
0: Yeah, exactly. For example. Or
1: for president. For president. As that when
0: that came out. Yeah. I guess it came out when
1: Remember she was. Remember when people defended? Man, this was yeah, real was fun. Just so to think incredible. back. There was the defense of the taking of the DNA test.
0: Yes. Which was
1: so good. I think that was from the, like, pod boys. And then
0: she was, like, kind of like, but see, like, I am a little bit, right? I can't remember. Well, that's
1: why these kinds of people, like, Liz Warren is such a perfect example of that kind of, like, upper-middle-class, like, bored lady, (laughs) consumer, we'll say. Don't need to gender, because there's a lot of men out there, too, and everyone in between. Um, But, like, the generic, like, middle-class consumer that buys this kind of shit to find like, especially like white middle-class American consumer that's like looking like, first of all, I just want confirmation that I got a little spice. A little spice. Just a little spice. Not enough so that I'm not white. I'm still white because gotta be white. You gotta be white. But I gotta, I just like a little spice. I
0: think that's like the ultimate outcome that people want. They want like 5% African or like a little bit Jewish or something. Like they want something that's like, a little different in there but like the majority of it's got to be just like oh look I'm from here and here and here and here in Europe that's mm. like that's kind of your old Well what they aim.
1: want doesn't matter because it's all fucking bullshit. Yeah. Yeah that's
0: also true. <laughs> but we
1: should talk about this company before we get into kind of the, the bigger stuff here 23 of me because they kind of like you know I was forgetting this but they also kind of came about at the same time as all the kind of like the theranos the WeWorks, works yes. like the the big sort of shiny dtc.com ecom web 2.0 revolutionaries with the like hotshot ceo that was going to like you know change life as we know it forever
0: yeah i yeah I, I it is it is sort of interesting to see like their story in that context too um, especially considering some of the post-COVID changes in the DTC healthcare space and how they have not been able to navigate that. Mm. But... About 23 me, So I I feel like 23andMe in my head has always been, like, a gift that your, like, dad gets you or something for Christmas. Like, it, it, I've never thought of it as something that you bought for yourself and you're like, I really – unless you're, like, an orphan or something.
1: Yeah, it's very, like, I don't know what to get my aunt coded. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Um, but it – and which turns out to be almost entirely correct. I think that is really – a large part of it depends on people getting it for Christmas as I found out, that paternity lawsuits skyrocket in February after people receive DNA and genetic tests for Christmas. <laughs> You're kidding? No, I'm not. They they are. There's like multiple articles about it. Like that, like they they <laughs> greatly increase. Um, but a little bit of oh background Lord. about the, the company itself. So it was started in 2006 2007 by Anne Wojcicki. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I'm assuming she's Polish. So this should come naturally. To some members of this podcast, but again, I don't see race. So. Well, we
1: haven't taken any tests, so none of us
0: know. Could be anybody. And Anne Lavery, a geneticist. So Two hands. Wojcicki. Wo- Wo- Wojcicki. How do you fucking pronounce it? Her sister's the CEO of Google. Yeah, of- Or not Google, excuse me, YouTube. YouTube. Wojcicki. Wojcicki, so she is like a Wall Street lady who has invested heavily in, as she talks about in several interviews, WebMD, which I think should be illegal. <laughs> Many and doctors would agree. It's uh, l- l- the. I just think that sometimes. Some people maybe rely too heavily on it to self diagnose and make themselves a little bit mentally ill.
1: Well, now you just go to Reddit.
0: Yeah, true, true. But it's and not so I don't many think it's,
1: people it's, who can tell you what's wrong with you. It's very
0: helpful. It is kind of how I confirmed that I had a, a male yeast infection when I did, though, uh, instead of some kind of new kind of STD. Uh, and <laughs> Aunt Lavery, this geneticist uh, who seems to have maybe come up with some of the science behind it. Well, Jitsky was the daughter of a Palo Alto family, and the whole thing is, like, I mean, she's pretty fucking boring.
1: Yeah. Uh, She She did famously have a placard on her desk that said, I'm CEO, bitch, just to kind of set the scene. Yeah. Because that's, like, where we were as a culture in 2006, 2007. We were like, damn, that's the craziest thing a business leader can do in America. When do you think,
0: like, bitch fell off? Like, people were saying bitch, like, to be, like, like as like a a positive thing, I mean, I, people still do it,
1: but it had like a real I think, heyday. There. I think "bitch" was pre woke. Bitch was kind of yeah. Bitch was kind of pre woke, and, and then it was like it kind of it was like bitch, and then also people were like um, very much like reclaiming slut. Remember the famous slut walk? Oh, do I? And there was that. That was the heyday of like the the, the bad gal that's yeah. like also the boss gal, like mm-hmm. that whole thing. So we kind of, like, flipped a script on that one when, when Me Too and Wokeness kind of took over. Yeah, I, so feel, I like, feel like... I feel it's all pre-woke. Because now During you have During the gender to, wars of the... Femi- and like, the feminist gender wars in, like, 06, 07, 08.
0: I feel like with now, if you use bitch, you have to, like, uh, prefix it with, like, bad or something like that.
1: Yeah. Uh, because Lizzo. this is also the time, speaking of Dave Chappelle, obviously. I'm Rick James, bitch. Yeah, so it was, yeah. like, it was a classic. And obviously when, when you know, it was Zach put that on his... Business card famously, which is where this comes from, uh, from Facebook, he was referencing Dave Chappelle. Wait, what did he do? Zuckerberg said, I'm CEO, bitch. That was his whole thing. Mark Zuckerberg said that? Dude, what? You don't know this? No. This is like classic canon. That's fucking crazy. And to me. he took it as a riff that. from because, like, white college <laughs> yeah, boys loved, but, loved Dave Chappelle. Talk about wanting some spice. They were, like, all over that shit. And so he was like, Oh, I'm not Rick James, bitch. I'm CEO, bitch. That was this whole thing. Well, Wojcicki. Wow, it's gonna keep getting weirder. Isn't it's it? gonna. It's, I'm just. You can pronounce the no, name any
0: way you like. I
1: love it. Let's see wh- how where it goes.
0: All right. So Wojcicki's sister was renting out her garage to a couple of guys who would go on to found a company called Google, then called Backrub. So she was Wait, running, What? Yeah. Did you know this? No. Google was originally called Backrub. The company was called BackRub. Is that true? Yes, which is, incidentally, the very reason I'm banned from Google's offices, or as they call them, campuses, which is strange because it's not a place to learn how to love other people, as I found out. So Anne starts dating Sergey Brin, uh, who is famously one of the top honchos at Google, and she's like, all right, Sergey, I have this idea for a company we're going to do at-home DTC genetic tests. I got this lady Ann Laver here. She got another guy. And 23andMe gets some immediate startup funding from Google and Genentech. Now, I know Genentech mainly because – I worked at a flower shop, and today is Valentine's Day, and I was asked to work at this very same flower shop by my boss via text message yesterday. Wait, seriously? Yes. He was like, can you come in? He said, can you work tomorrow? Yeah. I I would, but I'm not in San Francisco right now. I worked there like three years ago on Valentine's Day. It's good money, and I'm good at it. Uh, How come you've never given me flowers? I don't. You've never given
1: me or made an arrangement.
0: I'm not that good at it. But <laughs> so, you just
1: said you were good at
0: it. No, I'm good at working at a flower shop. I'm not good at making bouquets. Those are two insanely.
1: What do you different mean? Scales. Are you good at what? You're good at like what? Ringing the cash register? No, I'm not that good at that. Uh, I'm
0: good at just the general vibe. <laughs> got. It's not really like a shop. It's like a stand. It's a flower stand on the corner of 19th and Guitar that is Brothers Papadopoulos Brothers Papadopoulos Flowers, 100% Greek flower shop on 19th and Guitar, where I worked for many well, years. Have they taken a test? Uh, I you don't need to take a test with those those guys. <laughs> they are they are they are from the main well, not the mainland. Yeah, they're from the mainland of really? Greece. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, they are. Mm. Uh, and boy, it is. Let me tell you, best flower shop in San Francisco, but it doesn't have windows or doors, so it's technically a flower stand. Uh, anyways and starts dating Sergey Brin Sergey was like listen I got some money for your company Genentech which the, the reason I mentioned the flower shop is the buses used to stop by there mm. and uh, I would be like that just seems like an evil horrible name for, name a, company. for a company very horrible. evil very evil sounding mm-hmm. right yeah uh, and within two years of starting what is he mysteriously, and we still don't know how this happened, kicked out Ann Lavery now you might say that that is not a very nice thing to do to ice out your co-founder uh, within two years and sort of just taking the ultimate position from her, but this is Silicon Valley, baby
1: you no, don't I was going like to say, it? she's just
0: doing the, again she's just copying Mark Zuckerberg exactly, uh, so 23 and Me kind of got it. start doing these at-home, pretty expensive tests, but they really blew up into prominence when Sergey Brin debuts his blog, which only has like three blog posts and is still up, uh, talking about his results for tw- from 23andMe. His results and reaction foreshadowed some of the problems with 23andMe. So he found out he had a gene that showed increased risk for Parkinson's. Now, Bryn's mother Pos- has...
1: Yeah, possibly. Yeah,
0: possibly. He might have increased risk for Parkinson's. Yeah. But Bryn's mother has Parkinson's, and so he was like, well, oh, there's nothing I can really do with this information uh, because Parkinson's, we don't really completely know what causes it, uh, but it becomes like this like, sort of revelatory thing for him. He's like, I found out so much from my genes, so, Bryn and Wojciech marry, and this is a little off topic, but I thought this was very interesting. And they have two kids which take the last name Wojin, which is a portmanteau of both of their names.
1: That's very popular in like upper, like in like progressive upper middle class. Really? Yes. Wow. I know like one female founder who did the same with her child and her VC partner. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, a very popular thing for, like, trying to figure out a more progressive way to have, like, combined—not a hyphen name, but combined names. Whoa. Yeah. Well, unfortunately,
0: names weren't the only thing that Mr. Bryn was combining because he is also, in fact, neither sir nor gay. He was in charge of a little project called Google Glass— And there was a woman who was at Google Glass that he thought looked ravishing in those beautiful shades, (laughs) and he started cheating on his wife with her. And it was like kind of a nasty... Do you think they wore the glasses? I think they wore the glasses and had sex, like, freaky style. Videoed it, sent each other each other's POV, and then masturbated accordingly. Why
1: did you have to take it that far?
0: I just think that's what (laughs) happened. I mean, that's that's just allegedly what I think happened when they... Uh, but, uh, yeah, he started cheating on with a Google Glass person. And it's funny because all the ways that I've seen this described was like Sergey Brin is going through, like, a midlife crisis. He wants to be cool. Google Glass is what he views as his entree to, like, the cool world of, like, fashion and movie stars and shit like that. And I want to remind everybody that Google Glass, it is actually insane to me that the Apple Vision Pro, which looks worse, the, not even... A contest significantly worse than the Google Glass is now like we're supposed to act like that's normal <laughs> to be wa- wearing I don't
1: think we're supposed to.
0: They're trying to normalize it that fucking who's that freak with the weird face? Casey, Casey Neistat yeah. who he's a subhuman he looks like, like a, a Conroe Malley character yeah he looks yeah he does he, he looks like a fucking monster who is Casey this Casey Neistat Google this right now Liz. you saw the
1: video he's like on the subway he, he, stopping oh, on that, the stairs the and yeah person? he's a, a
0: human electronic skateboard he is yeah. something I don't know what his Niestat. job is I know it's YouTube it's like tech but oh my God. it's like he loves it all so yeah. I'm not sure what the review is but he's, he put out like this he said it was the greatest piece of technology he's ever used. He looks like he lost all his teeth. There's just something. Wait, he he has crackhead face. Yeah, he does, that's what I mean. He has crackhead crazy face. Eyes. It's, it's crazy. But honestly, respect for a dude that busted to be making it that big. Oh, he's like Nvidia. friends with Mr. Beast. Oh, beyond. Let me tell you, the whole Google Glass or whatever, the Apple Vision Pro ad that he did was just an ad also for Mr. Beast yeah. who also is fucking weird looking. Yeah, they are weird looking. Anyways this is for some reason we're supposed to pretend like we can tolerate this I I yearn for the days back when Google Glass came out mm. when it was met with physical violence it was the I some,
1: there was like I was at Four Barrel and someone started a fucking fight with someone who was wearing them in Four Barrel which is like so San Francisco and also so of that time um, and pe- we started calling them Google, Google Glass holes <laughs> yeah
0: yeah yeah okay. they uh there was one person who got beat up and robbed for their Google Glasses on either 16th or 24th Street BART. Mm. And then famously in Molotovs, uh, the oh, right. bar on 8th Street, there was a, a woman who I believe was a Google employee who was confronted by patrons rightfully by being like, are you filming us?
1: Yeah. Uh, and I, How can you wear Google Glasses into Molotovs? I don't know. That's I, crazy. I have a question about the Apple Visions, uh, the pros. Um I don't like that it's called Apple Vision Pro because that does imply that there is an Apple a version called Apple Vision. So I just want to Apple Vision amateur. Canonically, because there's we have the iPhone and the iPhone Pro, but okay. Um if you were wearing those, couldn't someone just like take them like they're strapped to you. Okay. But could they steal your wallet when you had them on and you wouldn't know? It would be much easier
0: to kinetically. Annihilate somebody who was wearing them because they. I think there's like a there's like motion blur with when you wear them, mm. and so they wouldn't be able to see you as clearly. Okay. But uh, I I feel like anything you want to do negative to somebody would be made easier via them wearing the Apple Vision
1: Pro. I don't think that they are going to be adopted uh, in public, but I definitely think that like in me. private, there's going to be a lot of people using them yeah oh absolutely
0: well, I think that we should try them out by the way I also think we should try them out if we can return them if we can return them we and we ret- can figure out, out how
1: to do a little video component I think we should
0: oh like if we can film yeah. the podcast yeah okay if we can film it so that you
1: can cool. see what I'm seeing or whatever I don't know if I don't know if that would be even interesting
0: but I think there's something we could, we could do there Anyway, really Sergey Brin is, because of this midlife crisis, because he's seen his future so clearly through these Google glasses and seen that there's nothing but changing diapers with his CEO wife, he starts fucking around and their marriage breaks up. They split up and then she gets together with Alex Rodriguez. A-Rod? A-Rod. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who didn't? <laughs> Facts. Anyways, back to the actual product at hand. 23andMe takes off, and they start selling their genetic test in 2007. There's a ton of press about spit parties.
1: Yeah, that's gross.
0: Yeah, yeah. At at New York Fashion Week in Davos, which, ladies and gentlemen, if you have ever been – a member of a spit party at Davos, please hit the tip line. Hit the motherfucking tip line.
1: So uh, back then, twenty three andMe has their product has changed a bit, which we're going to talk about. But back then, the shit that they were like offering at, like in their results, was like fucking crazy. So like Ivanka Trump famously, she bragged that like her test showed that she had a very gen- low genetic risk for obesity. <laughs> so it used to be they would be like, oh. Um, you probably aren't going to be obese. Oh, you might have a predisposition for this. And, like, all of these sort of um, health markers that really you can't get away with saying anymore, they were kind of, they were putting out there from the get-go. But the science doesn't support this kind of shit, I just want to say. Like, they, like, genes are not the most powerful indicator for predicting Various diseases. Uh-huh.
0: Um,
1: family history is. We should not confuse that with genetics. That's, those are two very different things. Um, though conceptually, I can understand how that gets mixed up in the same way that people mix up gen- like genetics and ancestry, which yeah. we're going to talk about. Um, but 23andMe had basically kind of switched the game on this and was was trying to put out tests – that could suggest that possibly all of this stuff could be read by genetics straight up.
0: Yeah, and this kind of got them into some hot water at certain points. I mean, there's – I can kind of think of some immediate concerns I would have. I listened to an interview with Anne uh, Wojcicki and – her whole thing, it was it was about gatekeepers. And this is something that, that she, this is something that like tech people talk about a lot or like entrepreneur type people talk about a lot. What they mean generally is regulators. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, the regulator. The, go- the in- government. Yeah, she was being interviewed by uh, Jeffrey Epstein Powell and LinkedIn co-founder Reid Hoffman. Uh, and the, the, the problem that she kept running up against was that they were essentially offering medical information uh, that was outside of the provenance of doctors, right? So, like, you don't have these results mediated by a doctor or like done in a very medical setting, and so you're just like given a bunch of like results that like you have people like Ivanka T- Trump sort of just interpreting for themselves. It's sort of like getting right. back the results of a blood test and you kind of just figuring those out yourself.
1: Yes, and the like the part one of the biggest parts to highlight here is that like the way that they can kind of compare all this stuff, it was based on what they already had in their database, right, which is, like, really important to highlight. So the more information they're able to collect and put into their database, like, the more quote-unquote accurate they can say the results are. Yeah. But all of it is incredibly specious.
0: Yeah, and, like, there's there's some... So I was able to... I had a friend give me uh, access to their 23andMe account uh, when we were doing this episode, and uh, funnily enough, you actually get upcharged if you want to look at like more of the health stuff. So it was really only like a bunch yeah. of worthless information. But I kind of went over all of these different things that said, like, do you sneeze when you see sunlight? Is this finger longer than this finger, whatever? Such so
1: useful inst- information. And
0: it was just like, uh, all, all wrong. Like it wasn't right. Like twenty three and Me's results were were inaccurate in those cases. So like it it kind of seems I don't know it, it it like I'm sure that there are some useful predictors in that stuff, but like and I again none of this was like really medical shit. But like it just seemed kind of like a party trick.
1: It is. I mean, it is. But back then, when they were trying to make like kind of crazier claims, the FDA rightfully tried to started to intervene yeah. because basically like. If you are offering this under the FDA, you're technically a medical device company, and that means that your ass is getting regulated Mm -hmm. um, because the FDA regulates such things. Yeah, Uh, This whole saga did not go well because I think 23andMe realized, like, oh, shit, the FDA is going to shut us down because we can't be offering this kind of information to people, one, like you say, without context, which is what a doctor provides, um and is able to take a kind of more holistic social history in order to actually understand the yeah. kind of context in which this sort of one little marker could possibly be useful in highlighting exactly right um but also because like <laughs> the ship was wrong It was, like, wrong. They were giving incorrect information. And so the FDA is like, wait, we need to show, like, you need to submit proof that your products are working as you're advertising them. Like, you can't be advertising that you can show people whether or not they're going to become obese sometime in their lifetime by a simple genetic test. Mm -hmm. You know? This is, like, it's so fucking Elizabeth Holmes coded, you know? Yeah, it really is. Minus the fraud, maybe. But... um, 23 Me just ignored the FDA. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and and that's not – listen. I am not going to tell people here to answer their emails because I I would make myself a hypocrite. But when the FDA is like, hey, man, like we really got to talk. We really got to talk. We're thinking of banning you. Like you should probably talk to them. So what they did was they actually cut off contact with the FDA after like years of kind of back and forth and then – According to Anne, we're very surprised when the FDA announced that they were no longer able to sell their product. Yeah, and I, in listening to an interview with her again with Reed Hoffman, uh, she's you know she's talking about like yeah like you know I was approached by an FDA regulator and like you know I had said like maybe we could turn this into a First Amendment issue that like you know we're standing up for the consumer and the consumer just it's their right to get this stuff and like interpret it however they want. And the FDA was like, "That's not going to fly," you know. Mm. Like, if you want to sell your company, maybe you can do that. But like, if you actually want a company, you have to like work with us. And so, the, basically, the product went off the
1: market for several years. That's interesting that she said that. The consumer, that just, you know, thinking about this stuff, I made a note in here because I wanted to bring this up. Like, the big worry from the FDA was that people were going to take a lot of this. Uh, you know, have this information and then take measures into their own hands in which that it would be, again, you know, not advisable. Yeah. Um, And I think there's like they had right to worry about that. There's an interesting case where very famously in 2013, Angelina Jolie, she had this very high profile double mastectomy. My friend Mark did it. But she, you know, she lost her mother to breast cancer. She got a genetic test to see that, you know, if she had the markers for Mm -hmm. the BRCA mutations, whatever, and she did. And then she wrote this huge op-ed. She was on Vogue. Like, there was a whole thing um, about why she made this choice to have a double mastectomy, and it really was publicizing that this marker was, which it's it's not a like it's not an end-all like be-all, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, but it would really like kind of publicized this. And researchers found that basically this caused what they started calling the Angelina effect, where BRCA testing rose sixty four percent in fifteen days after she described the result in the surgery in The New York Times, which is really interesting. Um, and they said, you know, BRC testing is recommended for women with a family history of breast or ovarian cancer or other risk factors. But the authors suggest that most of the women who got tested didn't have an elevated risk of cancer, right? So they see this and they're like, well, I'm going to do this too, which is an un, you know an understandable kind of. But it is like, I, I don't know. I, I just think it's interesting because I think this stuff, and in this instance, like this stuff meaning like the DTC health stuff – 23ME stuff, the way we kind of approach this is really emblematic of our approach to health as consumers. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, you see like all of these DTC, we were talking about this before we started recording, like the rise of these like DTC health companies, like offering everything from, you know, prescription skincare to like erectile dysfunction pills or hair loss pills, Mm Ozembic, like, and or just like, I, or Adderall. Adderall, or I didn't know you'd do that, but like, or I just have a sinus infection. I don't want to fucking go to the doctor because it c- takes forever to get, yeah, you know, an appointment. Or I don't have health insurance. I'll pay forty dollars to go on, you know, yeah, the it's like a la
0: carte, a, a la carte, fucking like telehealth usually.
1: Yeah, and it's and, and like aside from that too, I know that like the rise in you know, wealth in wealthy circles of, like, concierge health services Mm -hmm. is astronomical. Like, there is such a huge um, industry of, like, really uh, expensive and concierge health services that are outside of traditional health insurance markets that are, like, really exploding because what people can get in these pools is, like, not— We've we've like decimated our health <laughs> system so much that it's given rise to all of these other opportunities. It's like, so like
0: in the, in this case, like are you talking about like how rich people sometimes just get like MRIs for the hell of it? Well, and shit no, like that? that
1: well you can still do that. Like you can just go get an. There's like these new companies that are popping up that have like I can't remember what it's called Pronovo or something. But is that, that like, DTC MRIs? I mean, it is right because yeah. it's just like a consumer. It's it's looking at this stuff as a consumer, right? Um. But yeah, you could. I think it's like thirteen hundred dollars, fifteen hundred dollars, or whatever, and you can go get an MRI. Kim Kardashian was hocking them or something. I'd like to put a couple people in that machine. <laughs> <And there's laughs> no, but I mean, like, there's literally like, oh, I have this health service. I can. I have a specific doctor I can call. Like, if my kid gets sick, if I have sick, I don't have to deal with the traditional like, you know, going through. I'll still have insurance to cover some of this cost, but rather than. You know, I'm paying extra for knowing that I have yeah. access to the specific doctor. Yeah, like yeah, more and yeah. more doctors are charging for this sh- shit too Whoa. because demand is, is out of control. Interesting. I, I guess like I've
0: always been of the opinion that I hate going to the doctor because uh, – well, now that I don't drink, I guess it's less uh, bad. But like they always ask a bunch of uncomfortable questions that you don't really feel like answering and they always bug me about sleep stuff. But I guess that's kind of why I'm going there in the first place. Yeah. I'm in sleepwalking again.
1: But it just like, yeah, it just, it seems very emblematic of this whole shift from kind of like, you know, in these, more and more in these like social service markets, moving from like satisfying needs to servicing wants. People want these tests, even if they don't need them. You know what I'm saying? And there are more and more markets that are happy to provide these whether or not it's useful or even, like, good information to have.
0: Well, it's also—I think that we've also seen, like, a rise in— I don't want to call it hypochondria— but there is like something too i think the the web md kind of a, a web mdification of how people view health mm-hmm. where like every ache or pain or you know upset stomach or whatever might be in- indicative of like a larger problem mm-hmm. and this sort of paranoia that's fostered i think by access to too much information but too little ability to parse that information in a way that would totally. be actually helpful to you and, and I think by sort of flooding the zone, you would naturally give rise to markets like that because, like, okay, if, if you have all these – I mean, listen, there's uh, – is it the Hadid sisters and family that has, like, the – Lyme. The chronic lime lime thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that there's, like – there's uh, – it's like a – there's a spiritual sickness that I think a lot of people have that manifests itself in maybe some physical ways or maybe some psychosomatic physical – I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and there is naturally going to be like a, a, a rise in services that would fulfill the needs of people who sort of exist in that. But I, I think just that the way that our society is constructed like, mm-hmm. is we, we – people are sick. People do get sick. But I think people just kind of naturally feel bad for all sorts of reasons, many of which uh, – the causes of which I probably c- couldn't even figure out myself. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. There's, there's, there's something, it, it's always struck me as weird. It's like, obviously people live longer now than they ever have before. Uh, but I think there's just a general sense that like everyone's pretty unhealthy. And then, so you have like this, like, and we were talking about this before the episode too, for a while. Uh, and this is sort of only kind of related to that, like the Huberman style, like, like obsession with like maxing out your health stats and like. You know, all these different potions and powders and, like, uh, little tricks and biohacks that you can do to, like, I don't know, do some light version of that freak Brian Johnson's, like, uh, living longer, living forever. By the way,
1: okay, this is even more of a digression, Mm -hmm. but I do want to say just as a woman, I was, like, looking into – he was, like, very excited to talk about his, like, skincare routine and I was, like, looking at it on his website and I'm, like – He's not doing anything that it's like real basic reddit yeah. skincare subreddit like shit it's like using he's he's using like cerave and retinol and getting laser it's like yeah duh <laughs> like none oh. of this is he's not he's, he doesn't have access to like any like new revolutionary crazy ass like like he's not he's not doing the blood facial that's not even crazy. This is old tech. He's like utilizing well, old that's tech. That's some of the
0: oldest tech of all. I mean, <laughs> Dracula's no, man, I'm just around like, for thousands this is not
1: impressive. Years. It's like, oh, you have retinal? Oh, shit, cool. So does my mom, bitch. I can't wait till that guy gets hit by a car
0: on like his 52nd birthday. Oh
1: my God, whatever. just like total random death.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's obviously what's going to happen because God's real.
1: I'm not, I don't wish that upon anybody, but I do think he needs to lay off the BBL's laser, not that kind of BBL. <laughs> okay, because
0: I would be sick if he... Has guys. Well, That's too off topic, but I do wonder if any These guys have ever gotten
1: BBL. Anyways. So the point is... Okay, wait, back to 23 me, real quick. I just want to highlight this because this is key. Before the FDA shit, 23 me is telling customers whether or not they carry g- genetic variations that might potentially raise their risk for, like, a whole host of different cancers or... And it was, like, giving predictions on how, like, certain medications would like work for them like just doing this shit they were so out of pocket what yeah, they're doing yeah yeah okay so I just want to make that clear um there are like very specific genetic diseases that are very rare because they're genetic <laughs> that it would make sense for like testing to be done for right yeah yeah so thing there's like one called bloom syndrome which is very, like, it's a very rare genetic disorder. It causes, like, a red rash. It makes Uh you very sun-sensitive, but you're, like, very short. You have, like, physical... You're short? Yeah, but it it causes, like, physical abnormalities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And it's caused by... You're going to make some... I'm already anticipating your joke, so I'm just going to move on right past it. It's caused by a mutation in the BLM gene. I'm not making a joke about that. I don't think that's funny to you. Um, And the predictive value for this test is super high because it is so rare, right? Mm Because the rare something, the easier to, okay. Um, So it makes it very easy for 23andMe to predict. And so the FDA is like, great. This is the perfect thing that you can test for because it's easy to predict because it's so rare. But for 23andMe, they're like, well, if it's fucking rare, why do we want to predict? Like, no one wants that because it's so rare. We're yeah. not going to get so you're customers. news. you see them bad how, news. like, these two things are not compatible? Yes, yeah. The technology yeah. and the, and the you know, the profit drive does not – these do not work together. Well, the thing is, like, it's
0: it's funny because the only thing that you could really learn from, like, a genetic test like this is bad news, right? Like, I mean, there's some things that you could learn, like, okay, maybe you have a greater propensity for, like – uh, uh, more swagger or something like that. But, like, it's That's really that little spice you're looking for. A little spice. Well, that's not really. No, I think anybody of any race can have swagger, but maybe you just dis- d- disagree on that. But I think that, like, really what you're, like, scared of is, like, y- you have the gene that's gonna give you dick cancer or whatever, like, 100%. Mm. And so, like, yeah, there is this kind of, like, like, I think there's so many things on the 23andMe website, too, of, like, how to process this information, like, any bad information you might get from 23andMe. But I do think it's crazy because, like, like getting this stuff unmediated by, like, maybe I'm kind of a medical professional, although I do think they offer concierge health services at 23andMe now. Of course. Now, which we can talk about a little bit more later. Um, but really what people wanted was to learn about their fucking ancestry. Like, that's how it took off.
1: Yes. Because the stuff that would be popular, like the obesity markers, for example, like something like that, like family history and social conditions are like way more instructive than like any kind of genetic marker. Uh, And so the predictive value is super low. Like the something that would be popular medically, like for medical knowledge, is too low Predict, like, predictably speaking. The science is not there. The science is not there. The science is not there. So they had to kind of, like, figure out a solution, and they sort of fell into it with this ancestry stuff.
0: Yeah, and that's, like, sort of— I, I It's funny because I think that's now what 23andMe is, like, almost entirely known for, right, is, like, finding out that you're, like, 5% Iberian Peninsula or something like that. Um, you know, there's been a lot of criticisms that, like— Sometimes it's maybe the labels that they use for people from certain places are maybe not so accurate to, like, what they're actually describing. And I think there's a ton of false positives for sub-Saharan Africa, Ashkenazi Jewish, I think it is, and I think Chinese as well. Um, but it really— me <laughs> is like, um, you're Chinese. Uh, <laughs> Chinese. Um, but uh, they're, um, it, its funny because, like, at its core, this is essentially like a cocktail— party conversation product, right? Like, they, they want it to be all of these different, like, medical breakthrough things, but, like, or, like, you know, DTC medical stuff and then, like, research, but, like, really what it is is people want to find out if they're, like, a little bit Scottish or something like that. Uh, and, again, that kind of brings us back to the conversation with the a lot of people find out maybe they're not as Irish as they were led to believe or, like, you know, maybe there's no Native American ancestry there. But, like, that is sort of the, became like the main use for the product. And I was looking at this 23andMe account and there was all this like, you know, information about heritage and shit like this. Uh, and all of like the like other medical stuff was like locked behind like a, another paywall. Mm. I think that kind of gets to the core of like why 23andMe is failing as a business, which is uh, you actually only need to give your genetic information to somebody a single time.
1: Yeah, I mean, also, I'm just—I don't understand the shit. Like you said, it's like a party trick. This is like Funko to me. Yeah, this is oh, like yeah. middle class Funko. I need a toy, shit, well, and it's fake. Like, I, what does yeah. this tell you about yourself? That is useful, interesting, or tells you anything about who you are? Like, it doesn't actually tell you anything. Well, it's—it's it's funny because there, there's
0: there's there's the way I think of it is this. It's like. Yeah, you can might find out that like, you know, you're you're 5% Italian or something like that. But like that doesn't actually tell you anything about like what makes up your core identity as a person, even like your, your ethnic
1: background or whatever. Like, uh, yeah, what does that even mean to – that doesn't even mean anything.
0: Well, I think part of it is a reflection of – and not to be like t- too much like you or whatever, but like part of it I think is – what? That's, that's a way to sound. Uh, I think part of it is a reflection of how people want to like know who they are in an era that it's very difficult to know who one I- oneself is.
1: That's how you think I sound?
0: No, it would be way longer than that. Uh but that is don't get mad at him for laughing. I'm gonna get mad at him for laughing. Well, maybe we should check your DNA for being rude. 100 um, percent that bitch. 100%, 100%. Um But uh but yeah, I think I think it really does. Like I think that there is like that sort of shattering, especially of I mean not to sound like to whatever not like Liz, but to whatever. Uh there are these sort of like you know, this lack of, I guess, ethnic enclaves that people used to live in, right? And like these communities that you would like maybe grow up in. Like, you know, I'm from like the Irish part of this or whatever. And like everyone's, they, we're a nation of rootless cosmopolitans. And so I think part of it is people searching for that.
1: But all of these categories have like shifted. Yeah, of And morphed historically, socially. Like this shit is so fake and stupid. Like yeah. it doesn't tell you anything about anything. No, it and, does, like, yeah, it doesn't. It, it's literally the coconut tree it is like you fell out of the coconut tree we just learned no you exist in the context of all that came before yeah like we know this so it's just like I don't know I just I literally like I feel bad because I don't want to be a total fucking 100% that bitch Mm -hmm. but I will which is like It's like looking for a fun fact on a cereal box. It's like, it's just fucking bullshit. Like, what is it? Oh, I'm 36% Estonian. Okay, should we invite Bel Hadid? (laughs) Like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, Who cares? Go home. Shut up. It's, you're boring.
0: I'm 100% Estonian.
1: It's just like, that's not a thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree too. I think that like your actual relationship, and again, like if you're an orphan or whatever, I'm not talking about you. But like, yeah, I think your actual like family history, which is... Surprise, probably fake because most people's are because they rely on like half-remembered shit that you heard from your uncle is more real than uh, like a genetic test. But then, of course, you get someone like Elizabeth Warren in which case I would take the opposite argument. So I guess it's really what's most convenient for me. But yeah, I I, I tend to agree with it. I don't think it actually can tell you anything that useful about yourself in, in, in real terms or in like uh, a – family way, but it's like a fun dinner party conversation that you have a couple weeks not after. the lamest
1: dinner party ever. Well,
0: I, I'm not a big dinner party. I don't get into it right
1: a lot of One fun time. thing, though, is it can tell you if you're a killer. It can? Yes, because it was used to, remember, it was used to catch, catch the... Catch the
0: Golden State <laughs> Killer.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's true, so... I guess you would know that, though, uh, but other people wouldn't. Police uploaded DNA
0: collected at a crime scene, and this is actually one of the reasons that 23andMe is, like, going bust, is because of this the police uploaded dna collected a crime scene to a website which was not 23andme and caught the golden state killer because relatives of his had uploaded their dna you don't actually even have to be that closely related you can be like a third cousin but if enough third cousins upload their dna they can like, connect it and figure it out from
1: there that's a huge part of their of their business model what well, whose 23andme Ta- It's like making all these third-party connections because of how big their database has gotten. So, like, even if I... If my aunt... Has done 23andMe, then I'm probably in their database somewhere if she's filled out all of these certain things, even though they don't have my DNA. If that makes sense.
0: Well, what police did was they they basically were using they were like uh, signing up for the, and this this wasn't 23andMe. This is a different website. They were signing up for it, all of these like other kind of genetic like database websites, mm. uploading the the DNA from these like you know these crime scenes and then connecting it almost like you could with a like just a regular sort of civilian account. Um, that's so funny I know so d- this is another reason to never put your DNA anywhere you're kind of snitching if any of your relatives have done something mm. you're kind of snitching them. Wow. you mean to but or isn't not.
1: that such oh my god that says so, something so much about society because that's like it. even if it's not relative like isn't, aren't we all just them becoming snitches? You That's, know what I'm facts. That's facts.
0: That's uh, facts. Jason Keebler at 404 Media had a good point about this because the website in which that DNA was uploaded, they did say like that was not against their terms of service to work with law enforcement with uh, I think in terms of rape kits and murders, but they changed their terms of service later to include an assault case in Utah, and then a judge ruled that it could be used in like a wide variety of cases. So, and this is actually a, a very important point about all this stuff: is Twenty Three and Me makes this big point about their terms of service, where you have to opt into certain stuff, and you know you have to you know you have to allow your like specifically opt in to allow your stuff to be used for medical research of some kind, and your data is uh, anonymized or whatever. But like terms of services, terms of service can be changed after the fact, right? Twenty three and Me—they're doing so badly right now. They could be sold to a different company, like the DNA database that the Golden State Killer cops used. Uh, they can be—it can be sold to a different uh, company, and then they have all of that data. Mm. And so, like, just because you upload your stuff today to a website that's promising this, 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 and this, there's no takebacks on that. Like they have your genetic data forever. And like, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's like – I don't want to sound too out there about this or anything. But like I think reflexively if your impulse is like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't send my genetic information to this private company based out of Silicon Valley. That is a good instinct to have because they could do any number of things, things which I don't – not even smart enough to know about uh, with
1: it. And you have basically no recourse. The thing that's funny too is that, like, I don't think they even know what to do with it. Like, they have, I think, so many of these companies for their, I mean, we should say, like, 23andMe might just totally go under. Their stock is worth, like, nothing. They can't figure out. (laughs) 59 cents. Excuse me. 59 cents, not nothing. Mm -hmm. But um, they can't figure out, like, what to do with this business. Um, And I think a lot of people banked, no pun intended, on the idea of their data bank just being worth so much. Yeah. It's like, oh, to somebody's gonna want this. But it turns out like no it's almost like no one really knows what to do with it.
0: Well this is the problem with all of these things. Remember oh, there was that whole thing like uh, data is the new gold or whatever. Yes. Guess what? <laughs> Most data is fucking worthless. The people are just selling the idea of data.
1: Yes,
0: (laughs) yes. But like most data is fucking useless, and so like there's too much of it, and there's too much of it. And like this data, to a, a layman like myself. I'm like, this data should be worth something. There's a bunch of neti- genetic information. It's not worth as much as they thought it was.
1: Yeah, they did sign, they just signed a big exclusive with a drug company for R&D. Yeah. Um, but it was only like $20 million, which was not that much.
0: Well, that's, that's the thing is too, so 23andMe also started up like a drug research division because they're like, we have all this genetic data, like we should.
1: Yeah, it with- turns out doing dr- drug research is one not super profitable until it is and unless you like, want, you have to think long term. You have to create a covid like strain yeah
0: leak it have your shit ready to rock with that exactly everyone exactly. knows how it have went down Fauci on there the payroll.
1: yeah 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 i mean no but seriously like they they want to do all this r&d which uh super regulated yeah. super long term not a lot of profit unless you hit and it's like a money sink
0: exactly so like and i think i think with in the specific case of 23 and me I think that, like, they have maybe two drugs in, like, the entire time that they, like, are, like, actually really have some promising results for. And, like, none of that at, like, minimum would be, like, 10 years. And, like, you're not running a company that can afford to be unprofitable. I I don't know if they have ever been profitable. It's a tech company, so I would would have to check on that. Uh, But I know that they weren't for quite a long time. But, like, you don't have, like, another 10 years lead time, especially if business is going so bad. Because, like I was saying – the problem with a company like 23 and Me is that you do a genetic test a single time. Mm-hmm. And so their website now has all these different pricing tiers because they're trying to upsell people mm-hmm. on more and more shit to do with their genetics, right? Yeah. So it's like more DTC fucking like telehealth shit uh, yeah. because like, it's unnecessary because they figured out a little too late that like really only a lot of this online business shit is profitable on a subscription basis.
1: Right. Who would subscribe to something like this? I don't know. I don't it, know. We were saying how we were looking. I was looking at the like stock subreddit because these poor. I mean, some of it's pretty dark. I mean, these poor people are like, uh, "Do you think it's ever gonna come back?" But there, was, I mean, a lot of people are trying to think of like how this company could turn it around. And I do think it's worth dipping into this one potential solution that user Kristum. Posted because I do think it gets to the fucking mindset of that's like at the bottom of some of this shit. Um, which is the subject is Anne, can you just open the API to Tinder, please? Imagine swiping not just faces, but on genetic predispositions, common personality traits, and even the potential for healthy offspring, creating a hashtag gen match with shared genetic traits. Hopefully not two shared traits. Personality compatibility. Don't know what that has to do with. Through genes? With genes. Family planning. So you don't marry family. <laughs> uh, um, a bold integration between Tinder and 23andMe. Imagine swiping not just on faces, but yeah, it's shared genetic off uh, predispositions, et cetera, et cetera, often genetic data sharing. Users who consent link their 23andMe accounts to Tinder. Their profiles gain a gen match section showcasing all of their shared genetic traits. Enhanced ma- matching algorithm. Uh, there would be premium genetic spark features. Users pay a small fee to unlock detailed gen match reports for specific matches. Benefits, deeper connections, informed choices, personalized experience, increased engagement. And 23andMe can monetize through data licensing and genetic spark revenue. All this kind of stuff, right? Um, That's how you get Gattaca. It is. And uh, there was like when the... the, Original poster, OP, at the end he says, Edit, uh, I guess I learned lots. And then it links to genome.gov, a fact sheet, eugenics and scientific racism. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, like, I, you know, I'm joking. I just, I did think that this post was very funny and very, like, uh, you know, entry level, first year business school. Like, yeah. what if we just start selling body parts, you know, kind of yeah, 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 brain dead. Yeah, yeah. Now, leader of Argentina is thinking. Um, but it does show like what this, when you put this kind of information and try to monetize it in a marketplace, this makes sense. This is where this goes, right? Yeah, like yeah. the way for this to be profitable and to continue to be, um, you know, useful, like at bottom, it has some really, really dark you know, it has a really, really dark base at the bottom.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. I mean, it's 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 so funny because, uh, you know, twenty three and Me's entire obviously it's a private company. Like its in, entire purpose is to serve a market and, and make a profit from that. Um, but you do run up against these 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 very real roadblocks, and you kind of just have to keep and keep and keep expanding. What was it? we were talking about this the other day about what was it Instant Pot, and that, that oh was, yeah, that was kind of like the. Um, like, this, like, big kind of case study. I don't know, case study, but, like, this big example from last year or a couple of years ago about this company that made, like, a great product that just, like, kept trying to expand and, like, make other things and make more money, but, like, it it couldn't really because it made one really good product that you need to buy once. Yeah. Um, 23andMe has the disadvantage of making one kind of novelty product that you only need to buy once, and so it's less useful than an Instapot, uh, and will probably provide you significantly less uh, time enjoyed with product. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, it's just it's so fucking goofy to me.
1: The Instapot is a great example of like <laughs> that that would have fucking killed in like the late 60s early 70s like before we hit yeah. post fortis like opening up of all kind of kind of the changing nature of how commodities were produced where it was like you used to just we used to produce the things that you needed and you had that one thing and then they realized that that would hit a ceiling for production and markets and so you know commodity production had to change and that's how you know when i when I was saying that like markets opening up into servicing wants and desires rather than, like, providing for needs. Yeah. That's, like, a perfect example. Just too late to the party. Too late to the motherfucking party.
0: But you know who's not late? too late to the party, listener? You. 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 Our tip line is now open. Uh, we announced this on the show a couple of days ago. We are going to be doing a tip line episode uh, very soon, but the tip line is permanently open now. Now, if only I could keep
1: talking until I could figure out how to figure out the phone number. Here it is. Uh, I love that you do that instead of just pausing and, like, knowing that our lovely producer will cut the, the pause. Well, and I just, appreciate it because I, I don't, don't, don't yeah, want to yeah, cut I'm, the
0: pause. Sorry, I'm sorry. Hel- I'm helping his ass out. But also because I'm acting like this is live radio and I can't leave a second of dead air. That phone number is 646-801-1129. That's 646 801 1129. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have any questions, nope, no questions. Do not ask us questions on that. They could ask me a question. They could ask, you could ask Liz question. Well, you could ask, I don't want people asking like questions on it. What do you it. mean?
1: Because it's like, I'm not gonna answer them. So you're but just asking a question. They can do whatever they want. I guess we're the ones that have to deal with you it. You cannot
0: do whatever you want on this phone number. Do not listen. You can't do whatever you want on this phone number. You can ask me a question. You can ask Liz a question. You can
1: ask maybe first. No, someone. No, don't. You can't ask Bryce a question. He said no I don't backs. want a
0: question. I'm like, you can ask first if you need some advice or something. But really, if you have any tips, any leads, or any goofy stuff, yeah. send it over.
1: I've already been down a
0: couple of rabbit holes, so I
1: appreciate yeah. that.
0: We've gotten a lot of very, frankly, insane Voice messages left on this number. Yeah.
1: Also, if you used to be someone who called into Art Bell's show, hit our tip line. Hit I'd like to hear line. from you. I'd like to see what you're up to nowadays. Hit the tip line. I'd like to see, you know, where, where your mind's at.
0: Once again, that number is 646-801-1129. And with that being said... I'm going to go spit in a cup and then drink it right up. My name is Brace
1: Belden. I'm Liz. We are, of course, joined by producer Yem Chomsky, and this has been Truonon. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. <laughs> Jeff, 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 relax.